Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. I am going to have you take a seat at this moment because we are going to jump into the Word. We have a lot of things in store for you today, and I don't want to miss any of it. But I do want to shout out our worship team. They did an amazing job. And one of the things that you'll notice if you have experienced Table Talk in the past, and this is not your first rodeo, you will see that we put a little bit more time in worship today. We'll have a couple more moments of worship throughout the day, and we put a little bit more time in our uh, journal prompt moment and a little more time in our discussion time. And uh, the reason why is because in prayer, before we even really started launching everything that we were going to do for Table Talk this year, I really believed that the Lord had spoken to me and told me that he was going to be our guest speaker. And so I know that he's going to continue to unfold and unveil and reveal what he wants to say to you throughout the whole entire day. So I'm telling you that because I want you to be expectant, and I want you to be ready for him to speak to you, because it is important for us to know that he didn't just save us to give us a ticket to heaven. He saved us for a relationship with him, and he wants to be involved in our lives. He's going to be involved today throughout the day to speak to us. And so I do appreciate our worship leaders. They came all the way from Texarkana to help us out today. And they just did a phenomenal job. And then I just want to shout out our staff, our lead team, all of the people who made today happen, because they are amazing. (laughs) I just want you to know that this type of event, seriously, the parking lot was full yesterday when I came, when everybody was here preparing. And I was thinking, well, if people come tomorrow, where are they going to (laughs) park? That's how many people it took to prepare for this. And the people are both women and men. I'm so grateful for the men that have given their day to bless us. I'm telling you, we have some of the greatest people in the whole wide world here, and I just love them, and they are so, so awesome. They're such a blessing to me, and I know they're going to be a blessing to you today. And so I do want to shout out a couple more, which is uh, my friends that drove out from out of town. So thank you for those who drove, drove some miles. Give yourself a hand. And to some pastor's wives in the room that are mentors in my life that I'm grateful would take the trip to be here. So Terry Brooks uh, and Michelle Ellison and Susan Canaster is all here who are all women in my life, have been in my life for years and years and years. And one of the things that I cannot say enough about is that I wouldn't be who I am today without the influences in my life. You know, someone had to go before me and battle the battle fight the war, face the fears, replace the lies. Someone had to stand in the gap and decide to say yes to what God had for them to pour into my life so that I can then say yes to the Lord. And that's what I believe every single one at your table, your table leader also is saying yes to the Lord because of someone else that made an impact on their lives. Someone invited them to church. Someone invited them and took them to youth group. Someone paid for their youth camp one time. Some, 
someone was invested and imparted in their life in such a way that they're at your table and able to lead a discussion and minister to you because of someone else. And so I'm grateful for Terry, I'm grateful for Michelle, and I'm grateful for Susan because I couldn't be up here doing what I'm doing if they weren't willing to invest in me. So I am so grateful for them. We all give them a hand. So I could spend the entire time that I'm allotted thanking people. But since I really want to jump into the Word, I want to get into the Word, and I want you to go around anybody you see that you see serving, anybody you see that you know put this on, please go and thank them. Please go tell them that you're grateful for their investment because just like you, they had busy lives. They had a lot going on, but they still chose to invest in this moment for you. So please, please, please show them your gratitude. Okay, so when my son was little, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a story. Uh, we were camp directors in Hot Springs at Brook Hill, where we know Terry and Michelle from. And there were thousands of kids that would come in uh, each summer. And we actually directed two camps. We were a youth pastor. And my kids went to a very small Christian school. So they were very known. <laughs> they didn't even know what it was like to be anonymous, okay? So, uh, you know, they would be up on stage, called out. Every, I don't think they had ever encountered a time where they weren't in a really safe, intimate place where they knew everybody. And so we had taken our kids to Silver Dollar City one day and went to the Little Kids Frosty Show. And at that show, uh, the workers of the event and the show go pick two people out of the crowd. Well, they talk to them before the event starts. Like they walk in and they choose two kids to participate. They talk to their parents, ask them if they can, and they find out their names. So when the show's going on, they call them up to the stage by name. <laughs> and so it's a really fun show, really cute. And then everybody stands up to start walking out. And then Trevor, he was probably around six, uh, he just sat there. He did not get up. And he was so, like, his face was heartbreaking. And I went, I, we were like, what's wrong, bud? Because <laughs> the show was so fun and cute. And he was like, they didn't know my name. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bud, okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> there are going to be people that don't know you. <laughs> And so that was just the, the, you know, the blessing of the life that we were leading. And, you know, we had to kind of bridge them into that experience. They've had many more moments since then to understand <laughs> that not everybody knows who they are. But, you know, just like him, I think that it, it, we can also relate to the fact that we all want to be known. <laughs> we all want to be known, and it's always very special when someone remembers your name. Someone spelled your name correctly. You know what I'm saying? It just speaks to the depths of you that someone cares and someone knows you. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of extra money on monograms. Okay, so, you know, on Etsy, they have that option of personalization. You're like, oh, yeah, I want it personalized. Click. Oh, yeah, that'll be 20 more dollars. <laughs> And it's like, oh, man, but now that I've already seen it personalized, I can't unsee it. I have to have it personalized. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we get the baby's onesies. We get the necklaces. We get the, um, you know, the initial on our wreath on our door to shout out our last name. Why? 
because we all have a desire to be known, and marketing gurus know that. <laughs> okay, so they are like, we can make money off of the fact that everybody wants their name known. So, you know, many events for women focus on that revelation that God knows your name. And it is important that he knows our name. It's so valuable, and it means so much. That's one of the reasons why we make this event so special, and we try to personalize it as much as we possibly can, because we want you to know that you belong here. But today is a little different. I believe that the Lord wants us to know his name today. And yes, he does know your name, but that is not the focus of today. Today's focus is that there is power in his name. And so one of the things that I want to point out is, you know, think about how many people spend time branding and marketing and logos and human relation departments and how we are interpreted and communicated to the world. I know, for instance, for me, I bought a car uh, a while ago after uh, the car accident five years ago. If you don't know about that story, you can listen to Last Table Talk's sermon because <laughs> I talk about it. But uh, we had bought a car, and, it, you know, we loved it. And it was only five years old, but this year the engine cracked, and, and it overheated, and uh, I had to sell, the, sell it to a salvage yard. It was only a five-year-old car, y'all. And so, obviously, that was very frustrating. And just to let you know, I have told many people, and I won't say it from the stage, I will never buy another one of those brands. <laughs> okay, so when I hear that brand name, I'm like, that is a terrible vehicle. Do not buy anything that's made by them. And so it doesn't matter if there's millions of others that are working just fine. In my mind, I'm never going to buy another vehicle from them. Uh, believe me, that bitterness, I'm taking it to the cross today. But... <laughs> The point is, is that there is power in a name. Like, they lost a customer because they were not reliable. And you think about it, when we name our babies, that's the same thing we do. That's why you don't have any children named Hitler or Bundy. <laughs> because it represents something negative and evil and fearful. Okay, so... That would be terrible. And so we do have creative names and we have cute names, but ultimately we care about the meaning of that name. But we also care about the character of that person because a name matters and his name matters. So my question is, do you know his name? Because in that time, Jesus was a common name. So I'm not talking about the fact that if you just abracadabra and wish upon a well and say, Jesus, everything is going to be better and you're going to have power. I am saying that when we say the name of Jesus, it represents everything he is and everything he does and everything he said. It represents so much more because think about it. If I say Joe, and you know a Joe who's in prison for doing some terrible things, and I say Joe, and you're like, that was my best friend from high school. Okay, those are two different people. So if I say Joe, it does not mean the same thing. So when we say Jesus, we're not talking about just another name. We're talking about the person 
and what he has done and what he has promised to do. And so there, there are three ways that there is power in his name. And the first is there is power in the name of Jesus to be saved. Now, you have a journal, so I hope you're taking notes. We also will have journal time here in a little while. But definitely, I want to encourage you to write some things down so you can go back and remember. But the first point is there is power in the name of Jesus to be saved. Now, our world seems to believe that we can save ourselves. Just with a little bit of determination and a little bit of organization and a little bit of tenacity, you can pull it out. Now, I'm not against those things. I think that we all need them. But they do not have the power to save your soul. You know, when we feel helpless, they aren't rescuing us. We're not calling on the name of tenacity, and we're not calling on the name of determination, and we're not calling on the name of organization, and we're not calling on those names. To save us from a helpless situation, if we are not calling out the name of Jesus, we will stay helpless. We will stay stuck. Now, we all go through seasons of waiting and wondering and warring, wounded. And thankfully, there are seasons of winning. Help me be stuck in that season. <laughs> but the thing is, is in those seasons, we can feel stuck. We can feel like, is this warring season ever going to end because I feel tired? Is this wounded season ever going to end because I feel tired? pain? Is this waiting season ever going to end because I feel impatient? I feel bored. I feel doubtful if it's ever going to happen. You know, just think about the things that we try to fill our lives with to help us be saved, happy, content, whatever it may be. Okay, so for instance, is Google Calendar not just really helpful? Uh, okay, so a calendar in general is helpful. Google Calendar is really awesome. Uh, and it, it does help us schedule our lives. But it can't schedule our problems away. We live real lives that Google Calendar cannot save. You know, keto may make us feel healthier, but keto can't heal. You know, those Stanley Cups, those are cute. But they will not quench your thirst for living water. Now, self-awareness, I'm a fan of it. I think you should have it. It will make you a less toxic person. <laughs> but it will not free you. You can be so aware of yourself that you're full of yourself, and that doesn't help anyone. And so if we don't call on the name of Jesus, we will remain helpless. And so whether you have never called on the name of Jesus and today is your moment of salvation, or you have called on his name, but you're living a powerless Christian life, today is the day that I'm going to tell you that you do not have to stay helpless because he has given us salvation in him. So Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, we read in the New Testament that God came to earth in the flesh. He humbly laid his life down so that our life could be saved from what destroys us. Now, the Greek word for salvation is sozo. And this means a lot more 
than what just the word saved means. Okay, so I think it's important for us to understand this because it helps us understand that what he has done on the cross and the first time we accepted him is a work in progress because we are to receive his completed work and we have to keep receiving it every day until the day we die and we receive it eternally. And so sozo means, it means a save, deliver, rescue, make whole, restore, and heal, to keep safe and sound. The key word there that I want to talk about is that it says to keep. And so if you are wondering where he is in your life, I want you to know that he's promised to keep you safe and sound. He saved you from sin for eternity, but he wants to save you right now in your situation that you're facing. The problem you're facing is not bigger or more powerful than him. You know, he didn't just redeem us a little. He didn't give you a coupon. <laughs> he redeemed our past, and he redeemed our present, and he redeemed our future. So why are you worrying about it? Give it to him because he gave us it all. You know, speaking of stories, who doesn't love a good princess story? I don't care who you are. You can say they're cheesy, but, you know, the bottom line is, is when you've had a long day, the last thing you want to go watch is a horror movie or a movie that ends in someone, someone dies. I mean, that's just not what I want to watch at the end of a long day. But I will watch a very cheesy, predictable princess film because that restores my soul, okay? <laughs> So the outline is the same every single time. The princess is distraught and helpless. And then the prince who comes to see her when no one sees her, knows her when no one understands her, and rescues her when everybody else is powerless to save her. Okay, so this is the outline. And of course, there's usually a bad guy in there as well. But I think that it's important for us to relate to this story because it is like ours. He does see us. He does know us. He does rescue us. Because of the power of his love, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Any hindrance that would keep him from getting to us, he's defeated. And so we are the ones who put hindrances between us and him. He doesn't. He's overcome it all, but then oftentimes what happens is we put our fear, we put that lie we're believing, we put that sin that's just something that we've held on to in between us and him. And he's like, but I see you, and I know you, and I rescued you, and I overcame all the hindrances to get to you, and why would you put this in between us? Because the whole point was for us to know each other and for me to save you and to keep you safe. So right now, we are going to get a revelation of his power, but it is easy to put the focus of the example of this story on the princess. Because after all, she matters. She's a big part of the story. And you are a main character of your story, and it's great that you're a part of it, but I just want you to know that you are a part, but you are not the point. And that is not an insult to your value. His attempt to save you is the validation of your value and so can we just start saying it's actually the prince story 
The prince is the one the story is about. Jesus is the one who it's about. When we tell our story and what we've overcome, when we tell our story and things we've had to go through, yes, we can all empathize and sympathize and relate. But let me just tell you, if the story is being told just to make someone feel bad for you and to cheer you on because you went through it, that is the wrong point. The point of telling our story and talking about what we've overcome and what we've went through is to shout out how he got us through it and how he saved us and how he's the reason why we're still here. So let's start telling our prince story because the prince is the one who changes everything. He has the power because when we were helpless, he's the only one who could save us. The second point is there's a power in the name of Jesus to produce answered prayers. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm an introvert. My husband is an extrovert. And uh, there's a lot of lessons we learn from each other. We stretch each other because of this. And so, you know, it took a long time for my husband to realize that I didn't hate him when I looked at him blindly and stared at him like blankly when he asked me a question. And uh, it took me a while to say, actually, uh, that's a good question. Let me think about it. Because I would stare at him blankly. And I can see how that's insulting. <laughs> but in your mind as an introvert, you're not thinking that. I'm just processing all of the things I'm thinking to answer the question five minutes later. And, um, and that is obviously frustrating to everyone. And so, um, you know, introverts and extroverts have to give each other a lot of grace and mercy because we process differently. And we also have to recognize we have to grow because not everybody wants to put up with that. So change and say something and change, be patient. So there is this introvert-extrovert battle uh, because we're wondering if we were heard. We're wondering if what we said is validated. And I don't believe that the Lord is an introvert or an extrovert. I, but I don't believe he necessarily feels the pressure to validate every request or validate every feeling we have. Now, I do believe he cares about every feeling we have. But I don't believe he's going to validate every feeling you bring to him in, in prayer. Because it's not a feeling, it may not be a feeling, that glorifies him. It may not be a feeling that comes up with the right and true conclusion. And so he cares about feelings, and we can bring our feelings to him. But, but we better be ready for him by the power in his name to change that thought, to change that feeling, and put us on the right path because that's going to lead us to the wrong conclusion. And so he doesn't necessarily need to validate, but he does promise to hear. And so if you are in this room questioning if he hears you, I just want you to know that he hears every prayer. He hears every prayer that you've spoken out loud and the ones that you've said in your heart. Because he promises in his word that he hears. John 14, 13 through 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I understand that there's someone in this room that says, I prayed before and there was this one prayer he didn't answer. And that's hard to process. 
because it was probably a prayer that mattered a lot. It's probably a prayer that because it wasn't answered the way that you had wanted it to be answered, it may have brought some discouragement and may have brought some disappointment and may have caused you to doubt. And so you're in a situation where you feel helpless because your prayer didn't get answered the way you expected it to. And so we're going back to the fact that he hears us and he cares. He hears us and he cares, but he's not going to necessarily answer every prayer the way we had expected. But he does answer every prayer. And so let's just delve into this a little bit, because what I want you to do is know that when you pray, it's powerful. When you feel helpless, you have the power in the name of Jesus because you're in relationship with him now because he's the prince and he saved you. So you can cry out to him. And he will continue to save, heal, deliver, rescue you in that situation. But what our prayer has to go to when we feel like it may not have been answered the way we had expected, then we go back to him and say, God, I don't understand. Will you help me understand? God, I don't understand. Will you reveal yourself and your will and what's best to me so I can understand better? And even if I don't understand, I will trust the fact that you're good and faithful because you are the prince that rescued and saved me. And so in this moment, I may feel helpless, but I'm choosing that. I don't have to feel helpless because I know that you see me and you know me and you've already rescued me. So first, he will do anything that glorifies the Father, not gratifies the flesh. And this is not a slam. We all have flesh. We all pray according to our flesh at first. But keep praying until you get in the spirit. Okay, don't leave your prayer life when you're still in the flesh. Stay there until you get in the spirit where you're praying his will and you're praying his word and you're in a place of trust and faith. Because that's where you're going to have the assurance that he's faithful. Secondly, he has a will and plan that glorifies him. And so ultimately our request has to align with his will and his plan. So I'm going to be honest. There have been times that I have prayed that I'm like, I know this is his will. (laughs) I know that this is his will. Why would he not do this the way I think he should do this? And there's still a different way he's answered it. And I can't tell you that I understand every single situation, but I can tell you he worked in every situation. And I know that in heaven, if I care at that point, I may understand. But at that point, I'm probably not going to be like, now, why'd you do that? And what'd you do there? And like, I think I'm going to be pretty happy and fulfilled in the presence of the Lord. Okay, so thirdly, if the prayer involves another person's choice, it's not in his character to override someone's decision or free will. And that's hard because we all would love to control the situation. And we would all love for God to control it. And he does. He is sovereign. But he, in his character, gives us free will, including the person that was in the situation that you were in, that you prayed for, and you prayed about. And it didn't work out the way you had hoped. But what I want you to know is that the Lord's heart breaks for you. He wanted it to work out that way, too. He wanted them to make the decision that was the right decision. And because they didn't, it doesn't limit his power to be able to restore and make your life beautiful again. It doesn't limit his power to be able to change everything in your life and put your feet back on that solid foundation where you are not shaken. 
He has good things in store for you, even if someone else didn't respond to the Holy Spirit in their life. And lastly, we just got to go back to the picture I had in my mind when I prayed is different than how he answered it. So am I going to miss the answer because I'm not looking for his work in this situation because it isn't the way that I thought it was going to be? That's where we stay in his presence and we continue to press in and we continue to seek him and say, God, I know you've answered it and this isn't the way I thought it was going to be answered, but help me um, see it your way. Help me not get hung up on the fact that you didn't do it my way. Because I'm going to be telling you the truth, like I totally like have to correct myself for being a simple two-year-old throwing a fit when I pray to the Lord. When he, like, he's, he'll ask me to do something, and I'm, like, processing, and it's hard, and I don't really want to do it. And I'm like, but I really don't want to do it this way. Why did you ask me to do this? <laughs> like, there is a little bit of immaturity sometimes that I have to recognize as immaturity. And I have to correct myself by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, stop throwing a fit. Now, you can throw a fit. God has mercy. He'll be, like, still asking you the same thing. I'm not changing my mind. Keep on doing this, and he's going to ask you to do what he's asked you to do, what he wants you to do. He's going to ask you to obey because he has a will, and he has a plan, and ultimately, he's going to stay firm in what he wants to do until our will and plan aligns with his. And ultimately, that's an answer to your prayer. Because who in this room has been in worship that says, God, do whatever you want to do in me. God, I'll do anything for you. Ask me anything, and we're in worship, and we're feeling it, and it's the presence of the Lord, and it's exciting. And then all of a sudden, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, he asked us to do something, and we're like, but I didn't really mean that right now, because could the worship band come up and help usher me back into that moment so that I could have the courage and the faith to do that? But here's the deal. That's where we count on the Prince story. He has good things for me, and if he asks me to do this, or if he answers this prayer like this, I know the prince is the point of the story, and there's nobody who could see me, know me, and rescue me like him, because he has the power to save me, and he has the power to answer every prayer, and I am heard. You know, let me tell you about Elohim. He called everything into existence, and it exists. He made something out of nothing. See, Elohim is the first reference to God in the first two chapters of Genesis. It's a plural word that indicates that the Trinity was involved in creation. That means God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit was all present in the beginning. And so when we call on the name of Jesus, we are calling on the one who creates. And so guess what? The one who created you is bigger than the problem you created. Is bigger than the problem someone else created for you. And he is faithful to hear your prayers and come in and navigate your life in the midst of whatever problem comes your way. You know, I know that some of us are a whiz in the kitchen. I love to cook. Uh, but, you know, I've seen those shows where they give these chefs or these bakers, like, all these random ingredients, and it's like, they make something edible, and it's like, what are they going to make with that? And I know that I've seen the Facebook posts or the Instagram posts of, like, I'm amazing. I went into my pantry. I had these three things, and I just whipped something up, <laughs> fed my whole family a tin. Look at me. Um, okay, so... <laughs> You know, I'm like, seriously, they had gummy bears, a can of pumpkin, and quinoa. That was not edible, people. 
<laughs> there was nothing edible about that little post you made. Um, okay, so, but the thing is, is the fact that we can boast that we made something out of nothing, but it's not the same thing. Elohim made something out of nothing. Y'all, he created space, and he created time, and he created matter. So that means whatever thing that you're creating up in the kitchen was space, time, and matter. Okay, so there is something special about Elohim that makes him stand out among the rest. His power is unmatched. He doesn't need logic or tangible solutions in order to accomplish his goal. All he needs is himself. The prayer is not answered by your good name. The prayer is answered by his name. And one more thing before we go to the next point, I just want to point out is when we're praying and we're waiting or we're praying and receiving an answer that we weren't expecting, it's kind of like when you're in a story or a situation and someone's telling you their perspective or opinion. And let's say this person is younger than you, maybe have less life experience than you. And they're just going on and on and on about what they think and what they're going to do. And you're like, huh. And either, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, you either say it out loud or you say it in your head. And you're like, that's not going to (laughs) work. Or you're like, oh, Lord, you don't even know a thing of what you're talking about. And we all do it. We all do it. We have those thoughts. And you're like, hmm, should I say something or should I just let them learn the hard way? Um, Okay, so why do we have that thought? It's because we're not in the situation. We're outside of the situation. (laughs) So that means we have a different perspective. We have a bigger perspective, and we can see more sides than this person because they're focused on the one dimension that they see. And that's exactly what God does when we go to him in prayer and we're wondering what the answer is or what kind of answer he gave us and we're like, oh, that's really not what I'd hoped for. We can say, okay, Elohim, you made space, matter, and time. You're outside of the perspective. You're in it with but you have this perspective that I don't see and I don't want you to be thinking that won't work and not tell me. I want to listen And I want to save myself all the heartache if I'm going to about to do something or I'm about to say something that is not what you want me to say or not what you want me to do. I want you to protect me from myself. And those are the kind of prayers that I believe the Lord is calling us to pray. So the third point is there's power in the name of Jesus to overcome the enemy. Now, one of the things the enemy wants to do is to skew our perspective on who God is. He doesn't want you to believe that God is powerful. He's trying to do everything in his power to try to get you to doubt who God says he is. And he's trying to do everything in his perspective to try for you to doubt that he will do what he says he will do. So this is what I want you to do. To know today that the Lord wants you to say out of your mouth to the devil, I'm not buying it. Tell the devil out loud with your mouth, I'm not buying it. And this is why we're not buying it, because we know the truth. In Luke 10, I want to tell you about these followers of Jesus. There were 72. And Jesus sent these 72 out to minister. And so they came back. And in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject in your name. 
When we say your name, he is subject to your name. Actually, ladies, I'm not ready yet. Sorry. <laughs> I knew that they thought I cued them. I didn't. <laughs> but thank you so much for being ready. Um, okay, so uh, basically it isn't easy to wear the badge of strength. And we all do it, and we see it in our culture. Everybody's wanting to brag about how strong they are, which I'm not against that. I feel like strong women are needed, and there's nothing wrong with being strong. God did not create you to be weak. So be strong as long as you're submitted to him. And so whatever his word says, we're submitted to his word. But we can be strong in the Lord. Uh, but, you know, we like to brag, like brag about the fact that we served in the military, which is honorable. I want to admire you for that and honor you for that because it's valuable. Okay, you had a baby without an epidural. Awesome. I did that. It's great. I, but I don't need any kudos for it. But I, I don't know if that's the kind of strength that God wants us to focus on. Because we do have a lot of human strength. We can do more than we think we can do. So there's a lot of things that we can, like, oh, I can just handle this. Look at my busy schedule. I love this. And <laughs> I have a busy schedule. But everybody wants to, like, show you all the things they have to do or tell you all the things they're in charge of or tell you all the places that you, they need, to, that you need to be. And it's like, wow, you're a really busy person. You must be stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like we're seeking this affirmation about our strength that really distracts from what God wants to do because we're trying to focus on how much we can do apart from the power in Jesus' name. There's nothing we can do apart from him because in our best day, we're not strong enough to overcome the enemy. Jesus' name is the only one strong enough to overcome the enemy, and that is why your human strength, as great as it is because God created it, is still not as great as him. In Revelation 22, 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, I want to explain to you what Alpha means and what Omega means. It, it was basically the Greek alphabet, and so it means A and Z. So Jesus used this example to say, hey, I'm the beginning and the end. He used this example to say, I'm the author and the finisher. But just think about letters and what they are. They make up words that make up sentences. And his word is one of the most valuable tools and weapons we have against the enemy in our life. But we, even as Christians, we want to mix up the letters. And we're wondering why we're confused and why other people are confused. But the letters have to go in his order. The letters have to be in his language. You cannot put a whole bunch of Greek words and Chinese words and English words together and make sense. But that's exactly what we want to do because we want Jesus to fit into our box. We want him to be defined by our own terms and our own definitions. We want him to be proud of what we're proud of and happy about what we're happy about and hate what we hate. But he is A to Z. He's the author and finisher of the story. We don't get to choose the letters. We get to use them, and they're very effective because his word is powerful. But let me tell you, if you're language to yourself and to the world is confusing, then maybe we have to reevaluate and say, have I tried to write my own theology with a powerless God that will not change me or anyone else?
And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. The main like, tool the enemy uses on the earth today to defeat us is deception. You have to understand that he's invited you into a relationship with him. He doesn't want you to stray far from him because he knows the enemy wants to deceive you. The closer you are to him, the more he will correct you. If you are not being corrected by him, you're not as close as you think. And so it says that he loves who he corrects. We want to go into his presence wanting him to correct us, inviting him to correct us, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit who is speaking right to us, saying that's the thing that you've got to change. That's the thing that you cannot think anymore. That's the thing you cannot say anymore. That's the place you cannot go anymore. I can't go to that table anymore because I'm tempted to gossip. I can't go to that store anymore because that addiction is powerful, but not more powerful than Jesus' name. So I'm going to take the wisdom and the advice and the direction of the Holy Spirit to steer me away from that store <laughs> to be able to not fall prey to the enemy's plan to defeat us. And he is. He's constantly throwing fears and lies and temptation to sin at us. And if you are a Christian, it's easy to over-spiritualize those things. And I just want you to know that if you have accepted those things, if you have believed those things, that is from the pit of hell and it's a deception. Because Jesus has called us to accept and believe what he says. But Satan is trying to get us to accept and believe what he says too. And he is a liar. There is no truth in him. And so I believe today that that's one of the things that the Lord is going to reveal in us. He's going to give us the discernment to see that's a fear, that's a lie, that's a temptation to sin, that I, do not want to, I don't want to put myself under the power of the enemy. When the name of Jesus and the power that he is, is available to me. Because at this point, it's a choice. It's no longer I have no control, I have no help because the enemy is so scary and the enemy is so strong. There is power in the name of Jesus to overcome the enemy, period, point made, end of story. And you can be free today, absolutely. Are you speaking a different language than he's speaking? Are you trying to conjure up a word in a sentence using his letters all out of context to make you feel better or because you're in a season of waiting trying to use those same letters and same words to try to get yourself unstuck from that waiting? And specifically, I want to speak to those in the season of waiting. I would encourage you, go back to him Sit at his feet and let him be your teacher. I know that you wish you were on the other side, but there is a precious moment that he has for you. There's precious time that he has for you at his feet, teaching you and preparing you for what he has for you after this season of waiting. And so I don't know what it is. I think probably you have a seed of, you, seed of what it is, you have a hope of what it is. 
you have some idea of like this is what it will be like when I'm out of the season of waiting, this promise would be fulfilled or this prayer would be answered or I would be walking in this. But I want to right now ask us, but am I walking in the power in the name of Jesus? Am I preparing in this season because of the fact that he has given me a lot of good things in the waiting and I don't want to skip over them and try to conjure up a way out of it because I will be unprepared and I will miss part of what he wants to give me because I'm not in a place of receiving and so I want our hearts to be in a place of receiving. If you are in that waiting season, if you're in that warring season, if you're in that wounded season, maybe you're in a season of wondering because the bottom line is there's been a lot of hard things happen and it has caused some doubt in your heart. And I want you to know that the Lord is not afraid of your wrestling with your faith. But he is here today to restore your faith. You have the opportunity to come out of that season of doubt into the season of belief because when we believe, we receive. When we believe, we have power in the name of Jesus, we overcome the enemy. So in Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now, just in context, when it says nothing shall hurt you, it means nothing's going to take eternal life from you. It's guaranteed. Nothing's going to take the love of God from you. There's nothing you can be separated from from that. Nothing's going to get in the way of the promises fulfilled in your life because his word is stronger than the hindrances. And so when we stay close to him, because that is his plan and his will and his heart for us, and we are going to him, we're pausing and we're praying and we're seeking his outside perspective in our life and we're taking the power he's given us to overcome the enemy. There is no fear and there is no lie and there is no sin that can overtake us. So yeah, scorpions and serpents, I would like power over them. I know this scripture gives me this, but if I see a serpent, a, a snake, I'm not quoting this scripture. I, I, I'm going to like move. Because I understand that this is a spiritual concept. I'm not saying that he wouldn't physically save you from a snake. He will. But I'm not necessarily going to test it. And so, um, but I am here to tell you that we're not at Satan's mercy. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. He gives us mercy. And there's power in his name to be saved to have our prayers answered, to overcome the enemy. You know, one Sunday I came into church and I didn't think anything was different. And everybody in the lobby and at church was like, are you okay? You look really tired. Like, are you feeling okay? And I was like, yes, I'm fine. Like, what are you asking me? And there was like multiple people. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, am I looking, like, I don't know what I did different. And sure enough, I'd, I had made decaf coffee instead of caffeinated coffee that morning. Yep, I did that. And so I realized later, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, that's how different I am without the caffeine. And so I think today is a recognition because I think there's some people in this room that need to think I've exchanged a powerless God 
I want the powerful God. I want the Jesus who saved me from every sin that would have taken me straight to hell. And I want him active in my life. I don't want a decaf Christianity where people get close and think you look like a Christian, you smell like a Christian, but there's no power in you. And so, yes. So can we, like my heart is that we would have an espresso Christianity today. Full of power, full of all of the energy. But one thing that I will tell you, it's not easy because it requires a childlike faith. And that means that we believe who he is, is who he is. We believe what he says he will do. And because we have experienced in life people whom have not met up to our expectations and they aren't who they say they are and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. There are people that you've experienced that should have known better and should have done better. This earthly experience easily can skew our perspective on a heavenly father who only gives good gifts to his children. Now, daughter, he's here to give you a good gift. He's not here to leave you decaf, but he can't make that decision for you. Will you examine your heart today and ask the Lord what has kept you from having childlike faith, the kind of faith that moves mountains, the kind of faith that sees this tree uprooted and put there? The kind of faith that sees promises fulfilled in your life and in others when you pray for them. We all have the opportunity to decide to trust the Lord today and move closer into relationship with Him as He reveals Himself to us. I'm not asking you to have a blind faith. I'm asking you to take Him at His word. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the old is the alpha the new is the omega and in every reveal his book and in every story in the Bible he, his heart is to reveal his name because when he reveals his name he's backing it up with his character and these stories and these revelations in his word give us power because it is the sword the double edged sword that cuts the head off of the enemy and I believe there are some women in here that are going to cut the head off of the enemy today because there is power in his name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.